Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Everyone doing okay? Great. Um, I brought some things with me today uh, that I want to show and tell you guys about. There are two specific things, okay? Um, these two things are uh, pretty important to me. They've shaped the way that I see life, myself, God. Um, they've been with me for a long time. Well, one of them is new. The other's been with me for a very long time. Um, but they've really uh, impacted my perspective. These two things are surrounded by two stories, um, two very uh, distinct contexts and situations in which these two things will find their meaning. So I'm pretty excited to share them with you. Uh, one of these things I never, ever share because um, it's quite close to the chest, but it's pretty important. So the first thing, I'll have to roll up my sleeve to show you. Um, I have this scar on my arm. Um, it's not a birthmark. I actually don't have any birthmarks. I have just a scar. Um, I also took a lovely photo so you guys could see it uh, since you're not super close to me. Um, this scar is a reminder. I was born in Liberia, Monrovia, Liberia in West Africa um, in 1990 in the middle of a civil war. My mother, who is a living saint, had to endure one of the most horrific civil wars while pregnant. The scar reminds me of God's provision and protection. See, my mother had many instances, I was talking to her this morning to make sure I got this story right, um, many instances where she was shot at. There was one moment where she was running for her life, eight months pregnant after laying on the floor, um, running for her life, and the step that she took, if she hadn't stopped, a bullet would have completely went through her stomach, killing her and killing me. This was one of many instances where my mother experienced God's provision. Multiple times, the, the, the village that we were living in, we were moving from village to village, we'd wake up and find that everyone around us had been killed except for my family. A very ridiculously disgusting and horrific place is how I was brought into this world. I was brought into this world with no doctors, with no hospitals, outside in the rain, in a bush. The scar is from one of those stories um, and it just reminds me regularly, man, God has seen me through. Like, I wouldn't physically be here had it not been for the work of God in my life. And it's something that I'm so glad I have this scar because I, I know God has seen me through. I know God is working for me. But this scar is a physical reminder that God is doing impossible things for me. He's fighting battles that I can't fight for myself. That's my, that's my first piece of show and tell. I have a second piece that I keep in my wallet. I've kept it with me since um, July 6th, 2021. This is the little thing that they put on babies when they're born. Um, my son was born here in Hong Kong on July 6th um, at a hospital, and his birth was very different than mine. He was actually born in a hospital. I was born in a field outside a hospital in a bush. Very, very different situations. He had uh, doctors and midwives. My, my wife was able to get um, the epidural so that it wouldn't hurt as bad. Still painful, but not as bad. Whereas my mother had absolutely nothing. She had no doctors. My grandmother was the person that delivered me and had no medical experience whatsoever outside. My son was born into a very great situation. My wife went into labor and it was intense and it was hard, but she got to the hospital at two o'clock that afternoon afternoon on July 6th, and Elias came out at 4.16 p.m., so she had a pretty great, she's very grateful for it, a pretty great labor, but I, I tell you these details and these stories because these two um, show and tell pieces are very different. 
yet they're connected. Like the idea that God would see me through all of this and then allow me to have a kid who I would have never expected, my mom who's watching today, would have never fathomed that I would live, that I would survive, and that I would be able to have a kid who's healthy, who was born in a hospital, who had doctors, who, who my wife was able to be taken care of. It's a ridiculous story of the reach of God across multiple generations. And I keep it with me because it's very important. These two little details in my life have produced something in me. They have shaped the way that I see things. The context around these stories and these specific times have impacted me so much that I live in response to the revelation that they've created in my life. These circumstances and experiences have shaped how I worship. See, uh, this sh- uh, God ends up showing us something. He showed his faithfulness. He showed that he is good. He showed that he can fight battles for me. And I can't help but respond by telling of that goodness, of speaking of what God is. And when God works in a miraculous way, when you see the favor of God, can you not but share it, but tell it, but speak it? This show and tell concept is a very basic, but it's one of the most fundamental ways in which we worship. Show and tell worship is oftentimes rooted in a specific set of circumstances. Something happened at a certain time where it was challenging and God showed up and we respond to that in our worship. Show and tell worship isn't arbitrary. It's deeply rooted. It starts off where we note something about God, we observe something about God, and it continues as we respond and speak and tell of that thing. This kind of worship is a response to the God that we see. If we put it in the language that's uh, pretty similar to this sermon series. And Pastor Andrew has been asking us the question throughout this series, what will we see? What will we see? God is doing a new thing, but will we see it? See, if our worship can be a response to, to what God is doing, then we have to be able to see the new thing God is doing. Will we see it? Seeing that new thing that God is doing, uh, unfortunately, isn't always easy, right? So the passage that we've been studying, uh, we've been rooted around uh, this passage in Isaiah, and the context of what these people's lives were, were pretty frustrating. They, they once were a kingdom that was sufficient, that was ruling at the height of their level, and they now live uh, exiled from their kingdom destroyed homes, burnt city, temple, completely ransacked. They've got nothing. It's like God is far away while they're in a foreign land. They've heard situations of, and they know the stories. They have the scriptures of where God parted the Red Seas for people, but God hasn't parted their Red Sea yet. They're still stuck in exile. It feels like they're defeated. It feels like God is distant, like God is silent. And they're wondering, will we ever see the good days again? And it's in this context, it's in this stuck, frustrating exile context that God speaks to the prophet of Isaiah saying, guys, behold, I'm about to do something new. I'm doing something new, something different than before. Do you perceive it? Can you see it? Or better yet, will you see it? 
And Isaiah, throughout all these verses that we've been studying, has shown us that there's multiple things that prevent us from being able to see that very new thing that God has for his people, that very new thing that we're so desperate of. We have a hard time seeing for multiple reasons. Week one, we talked about how in the past when God has worked in such a miraculous way, we sometimes limit him in our mind, expecting him to part Red Seas when he's ready to send the Messiah to save all of humanity. Our limitations can be a a barrier between us seeing the very thing that God has for us. In week two, we looked at how our fasting and our response to God is not just a ritualistic thing. It's not just about depriving yourself of food or of Instagram or of whatever you choose to fast, but instead, God is calling us into a fast of justice, a fast of love where we provide for those around us a new kind of fast. And in week three, Pastor Andrew did this weird and disgusting illustration with water and with soy sauce and and all this nasty stuff. And he showed us what our sin looks like, how it ruins our ability to see clearly. And he showed us that because we couldn't look through the glass and see clearly. And he showed us what happens when we deal with our sin, when we bring our sin before God, which is something that separates us from seeing him. The Holy Spirit comes in and the water went into the, the little tub thingy and it poured out and the water got cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. Not perfect, but very, very, very clean to the point where we were finally able to see. Illustration being that our sin can block us from seeing the truth of who God is. And then this week, we, we, we kind of turn the page a little bit. We kind of pivot a little bit. This week, Isaiah is calling us to see something new, to understand and perceive something a little different. So I'm going to take us straight to the text, looking at Isaiah 42, verses 10 through 13, and it reads like this. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them, let the wilderness and its towns raise their voice. Let the settlements where Kedar lives rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. The Lord will march out like a champion. Like a warrior, he will stir up zeal. With the shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies." Isaiah is going to use this passage to show us that God is actually calling his people into something new. But it's something new that's somewhat similar to what they are used to. It's a new type of singing. He's calling them to sing a new song, inviting them into a new worship. So he says, he opens it with this, sing to the Lord a new song. He doesn't say sing a more happy song. He says, sing a new song. He could have said, sing a praise song or a more upbeat song. But he says, sing a new song. And if our worship can be a response to the situation and the context, perhaps Isaiah is saying that sing of a new circumstance that your God is about to lead you into. Because there's a new moment of God acting on the behalf of his people on the horizon. If they could just see it. If we could just see that God is still acting, that God is acting for us, that he is working for us, it would erupt in us something new. A new song would come from our mouths. He says, sing to the Lord a new song. 
And this idea of singing is, is something that we do quite often in church where we, we sing songs. It comes from our lips. And that's what Isaiah is speaking about. The words that we sing, the words that we say, may the words that come out of our mouths sing of the goodness and the newness of what God has for us. This idea of singing is just a component of the show and tell concept of worship. It's the telling part of it. And show and tell, just let me break it down in case, you know, it's something you've never experienced. Show and tell is this cute little thing that kids do in school or in classes where they bring a fluffy little bunny and they're like, hi, this is my fluffy bunny. It's really important to me. I cuddle with it. And they're trying to help their friends understand and perceive and value something that they would have not naturally done. And in show and tell worship, God does this showing and we get to do this telling. It's a delicate balance in showing and telling. God has his job. And like I shared in my story, God shows his faithfulness. He shows his goodness and we have a role. And in our role, we get to respond to that goodness, to that faithfulness, to the things that he's done. And the response that Isaiah is telling them to give is one of their mouth in verse uh, 10. He says, sing a new song, sing a new song, songs, words that come from our mouth. And here at The Vine, we do that every Sunday, right? We, we have the normal set of stuff, some announcements, uh, we do tithing, then we go into a singing time, the words that come out of our mouth, sing songs. And in those moments on Sundays when we get a chance to sing songs are super important. Because in those moments, our mouths get to confess and speak of realities that sometimes we forget. We get a chance together corporately to declare of God's goodness, of his faithfulness, that God is loving and kind and full of compassion. What we're doing are giving testimonies of who God has been, the things that he has done. God is faithful because he did a certain thing. God has stood with us. God has taken care of us. He has carried us through. We sing these songs about the goodness of God and the things that he has done for us, testifying of what God has done. This is one of the dimensions of what our worship looks like. We sing because God has done something and we respond to it. And I think this paradigm of us singing and responding to what God has done works. It's good for us to respond to God. That's a good kind of worship. That's the worship that we should be engaging in. But I think the question we have to ask ourselves is what happens when we feel like we have nothing to respond to? What happens when your story isn't like mine? What happens when you're still stuck in the moment where your troubles haven't been overcome yet, when you're still facing mountains? How, how do you respond to what you've not seen yet? It's easy to respond when God has done the big, but when you're still in exile, which these people were, how do you then sing this new song of hope? And what Isaiah is doing here is he's inviting the people to understand worship in a new way, a new understanding. He's wanting them to understand that worship is not only rooted in what God has done before, but a worship can exist when we haven't seen God move yet, when we haven't seen God speak in a long time. Isaiah is about to show them that worship can exist when God has been silent. Worship can bring something forth, not just respond to something. This kind of worship is new. This kind of song, it's new. It's a worship not rooted in who God was, but a worship rooted in who God is and who God will be. It's prophetic worship. And Isaiah is saying, look, there's all these reasons. In the passage, he gives them all these reasons 
So many reasons to sing a new song. It hasn't happened yet. He's speaking of future things. But look, the idea is that God is going to. God isn't far away. God isn't stuck in yesteryear. So he writes it like this. The Lord will, key word here, will. The Lord will march out like a champion. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise a battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. Isaiah is highlighting a promise. What God is going to do is going to be incredible. But beyond that, the hope is built on the fact that God will do something. Verses 14 and 15 hammer this point even further. It says, I will lay waste to the mountains and hills. I will turn rivers into islands. I will lead the blind by ways they do not know. I will guide them. I will turn darkness into light before them. These things I will do. I will not forsake them. This verse, this word, this verb, will, speaking of something that's going to happen, takes place 15 times over that five verses. Like that's the key word, will, 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 will. God isn't just the things he did. God will, he will, he will for his people. Isaiah is saying that God is making a clear statement. He is not simply the God of the past. Please hear this. His best days are not behind him. Now, so sing a new song because God is active, because God is at work. Our living hope is still alive. He's still doing things now and he's still going to do. He will do things in the future. So we can sing a new song prophetically of the things that he will do. So how does that work with us in Hong Kong, not in exile? Well, we've been in this conversation, in this tension about the past three years. Has anyone heard that phrase before? The last three years. It should be pretty familiar, right? COVID happened. Everything went crazy. The last three years has been stressful. It's been challenging. There's been battles and difficulties for everyone. So I don't want to gloss over it like it's not an important aspect of our lives. There, was, there were challenges. There were lots of struggles. But while all that is true... This is, this is the key. God is calling us to sing a new song, a new song over Hong Kong, over his city, for his church to sing a new song, a song looking ahead to a God who fights for his people, to a God who is working for his people, a song of hope that he will be our light. Next year and tomorrow and the next day to come, God will be working for us. It's not just that the past three years has been challenging, but there is a God who is still good, who is still on the throne, and he is still working on the behalf of every single one of us here in this city. God is for his people. He will not forsake us. He will do these things for us. So if you're in here and the past three years has been absolutely ridiculous and you're still stuck in that, can I just speak some hope that there's still a God that's fighting on your behalf and your future is still bright. He still has plans for you. If you're here and you're in broken relationships, perhaps you're in broken family dynamics where things are deeply unhealthy, can I tell you that God's best days aren't behind him? God can still work and move even in your life. Now he can, now he will. Because we serve a God of the will, not just a God of the has. And the hope we have in God is for today and it's for tomorrow. 
See, that's why uh, the, the worship staff, Emma and Jethro, sang the song that they sang today. Uh, one of the songs that they actually wrote for us as a congregation, the words to that song are super important. It fits perfectly well with this sermon. It says, hallelujah, praise the one who was, acknowledging that God has done great things. We can testify to that. But also, hallelujah, praise the one who is. God is still here, still moving, still working today. And it ends with hallelujah, heal forever, forever. That means tomorrow, that means the next hurdle you face, that means the next big global thing that comes, that means the next challenging situation. God will forever be with us. He will forever be our God. Our hope hasn't run out. Our hope is not stuck in the pre-COVID days. Our hope is here and now because we can sing a new song of hope because God is still working. But for us to sing a new song, there has to be a shift. There has to be a bit of a change and, and a shift in our worship. And I want to be careful. I don't want to say a correction in our worship because our other way of worshiping isn't incorrect. Hear this. A shift in our worship because God gives us a song for every season. The people of Israel, they, they had experienced many seasons, some highs and some lows, and their songs had changed. When they were in these moments of deep anguish, where they were exiled and they were frustrated, and they were at their rock bottom where they felt like it couldn't get any worse, they had songs for that. God, they were laments, and they worshiped God through lamenting, lamenting being such a gift of the scripture, so much so that we have a whole book titled Lamentations of these songs, of these worship moments from Israel to God. Laments are basically these songs of sorrow expressing grief, expressing disappointment, expressing regret. Laments have seasons, and we have seasons where these lament songs can bring so much comfort, and I think I'm not alone when I say that. It has been a comforting thing for us over the past three years. These songs are right for a season, but these songs are not the song God is calling us to sing in the new season. See, he's doing something new. Will we, will we see it? Will we sing of the new he is doing? See, Isaiah is writing and saying we must shift the way that we worship. He's saying that God is shifting Israel out of laments and into praise. And I believe God is shifting the church in Hong Kong out of the lament of the past three years and into something bright and beautiful, into an expression of God where his presence fills this place, where there's revival in this city, where people come to know God, where there is goodness in the land. He has that for us, but we're never gonna see it if we're still singing the old songs. Yeah, that's good, if we're not looking for his goodness, if we're not looking ahead, you can't sing the old songs in the new season. Yeah. See, God's not shaming our laments. He's not saying don't lament. He's not saying get over it, but he's saying, let me trade you. You have sorrow, bring it to me. I'll exchange it. Let me trade your shame and your guilt. Let me trade your disappointment and your regret for hope, for something new, for something to build upon. That is the promise that he's bringing us. And the question is, will we see it? Will we look, even if we can't see, will we look with the eyes of our heart? Will we look in faith, believing in God himself? 
will we see? So worship requires us to shift, shift out of the laments and into praise. But that's still not a complete understanding of worship. Even if we sing the newest songs, right? Sing a new song. This whole this title, title is a new song. If we sing the new songs every week, every Sunday, if we come in here, we worship our guts out, hands in the air, people, hands on, on the knees, band going on over and over and singing for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. If we do that, our worship can still be incomplete. Did you know that? Our worship can still be flat. It can still be empty if our worship just stays in our mouths. This is a serious risk in churches as a whole, to speak of what God is doing and to think that a new song is acceptable in worship. That error occurs when we relegate worship to just the stuff that happens on the stage with the band and the piano and the pads and the drums. That happens when we relegate worship to just the times that we have Emma and Jethro and Kay and whoever leading us in worship. The moment that the band steps off stage, worship isn't over. Worship doesn't end because the song has ended. Actually, I dare say that more worship takes place Monday to Saturday, not just here on Sunday. Worship that comes from just our mouths can easily become the worship that God rejects. And he would say that, right? Jesus would quote Isaiah a couple hundred years later. He would say this, these people honor me with their lips. They honor me with their songs. Their new songs are great. They honor me with it. They sing the right words, but their hearts, ah, their hearts are far from me. And so in Isaiah, he would put it like this in verse 15, continuing in this story. He would say, yes, God is going to be a warrior. He's going to rescue his people. He's going to fight for you guys. There is hope. You can believe in that. You can take that to the bank. God is good. He's going to rescue. He's going to do all these great things. But he ends such a hopeful text with this one sentence. He says this, but those who trust in idols, who say to images, you are our God's, will be turned back in utter shame. What's Isaiah saying? God's going to do all these great things. He's going to come and he's going to fight for his people. Hurrah, there's hope there. He's going to be a warrior. He's going to rescue us. But that hope and the boldness and the peace that it brings to our reality is only ours. It can only be felt and transform us like a new song is meant to do if we put our faith in him, if our trust is in him, which means that worship must include what we do with our faith, not just what we say with our words, right? True worship is not just about singing. True worship is about surrender. True worship includes where you put your faith. And the temptation when sin is blocking us, when things are difficult, is to sing of a, a new song and sing of all the hope that God has for us while putting our faith in lesser gods, even the good things around us, placing and building our faith on that. Worshiping creation, worshiping the things that God has given us more than we worship him, which is an easy, slippery slope. Isaiah is saying that the worship God is looking for is holistic. It's got to be both. It's got to be both what we say and what we do. Worship with our heart and our soul. Yes, our words, our minds, our strength with how we live. Worship that incorporates our words and our trust. Because honestly, what's, what's the alternative? 
Building your hope and putting your faith in something else, in lesser gods, in idols, in anything other than God is literally setting yourself up for failure. It's a ticking time bomb because the reality is the hope that it's meant for us to put in our faith that we're meant to put in God can never be secure in anything else. So that means no matter how good your family is, you can't build your hope on that. It means no matter how good your job might be now, you can't build your hope on that. Whatever you think you, know, you need to reach to reach uh, financial stability, you can't build your hope on that. A specific uh, political climate, you can't build your hope on that. You know why? Because those things were never meant to be where our hope and our trust is built. But Christ alone, the words we sang, Christ alone, my hope, my strength. That's where our hope is. When we worship completely, yes, we say the words, but then we place our trust in him because only he can satisfy, only he can deliver. No lesser God can do what only God can do. So to worship is to put ourselves back in his hands, and it's to do it daily, to do it regularly. It's not a one-time thing. Perhaps the most famous uh, passage in, uh, in the Bible about worship from most worship pastors comes from Romans 12. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in light of what you've seen of him, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Key word here, living doesn't mean that you do it one time and it's over. Living things has to repeat. It has to be something you do over and over and over again. True and proper worship, according to this passage by Paul, includes the consistent offering of yourselves, of ourselves to God. It's not something we do once. It's a living sacrifice, much like he is our living hope. It's to offer ourselves to God today and tomorrow. Every day that we have breath must be how a, a day for us to engage in this kind of worship. And if this is what true and proper worship is, then worship can't end at 12.30, right? Worship can't end when the band finishes. Worship has to be, you're going to be breathing tomorrow. You're going to be around people tomorrow. You're going to be given the chance. I think what God is saying, this new song that he has, don't, don't, don't fall for just half worship, when he has a whole thing for you, and the whole includes the Monday through the Saturday, where you put your trust, where you put your trust matters. God has a new song for us to sing, a new worship that's meant to build you, it's meant to equip you, it's meant to fill you with hope, give you a future. It's meant to be a song for us as a people, us as a church, us as a city, to see what God is doing. If we could just see it, the anticipation in us would have us going crazy with hope, crazy with joy, because God is still working. God is still acting. God is still doing. He's still mending hearts. He's still healing relationships. He's still doing above and beyond the things that we could ever imagine. The question is, will we see it? I think there are two kinds of people here today. And actually, the band can go ahead and come up at this point. There are two of us in the room today. There's two different groups. There's one group of us who are, if we're honest, we're, we're really struggling to see God because all we see are the mountains around us. 
right? Like, it sounds like a very easy thing to do when you're, you know, living in green pastures and everything's okay. But if you're someone who is dealing with deep financial struggles and you don't know what next this year looks like, perhaps it becomes very, very more, more challenging. Maybe it's because, you know, the relationships are still broken. So it's hard to, to see God. You have these circumstances that seem impossible. Maybe it's a marriage that's literally hanging by a thread. How do you see God in that? Here's the good news. This is why this passage is so powerful. This is why this series is so powerful. That might be your current existing reality, but there's a new that God has. There's a new song that he wants to sing over us. There's a new song he's calling you to sing. There's a song of hope because God is your God. God still fights for you. So if it feels impossible, he's good at those kinds of things. That's his specialty. The challenging things that you feel like you can't find an answer to, God can. God can do. And he's calling you to bring your anxiety, bring your fear, bring the battles that you can't win, and watch him guide you through it. Maybe you'll never get to see the fullness of that, but he will walk with you. He will be your God. He will go before you, and he will fight battles on your behalf. There's a second group of us here today who God is calling us just to open our eyes. See, show and tell worship is this idea that we tell of what God is doing, but we'll never tell of what God is doing for some of us if we don't look around. See, it's not just a future thing of hope. God is doing things now. Like in this room, I'm convinced that God has worked in crazy ways. There are stories just like mine. There are stories all around here of God providing, of God comforting, of God speaking and reminding us, and if we could hear them, if we could look and see them, what faith that would do to our community, what faith that would build in us, and we'd be reassured again. We'd stand up tall, confident as a people, that our God is active, our God is now. And so that group of people, he's calling you to open your eyes. Be in community. Talk to one another. Share of the good that God is doing because you don't know how your words, your testimony of God's faithfulness in your life can bring hope to a dire situation. It's a new song. God has a new for us. And he's calling us to see with our hearts or to see with our eyes. Either way, he's going to lead us through. He's got something for all of us here, but will we align ourselves to that? Will we see it? That's the question. That's the call. So why don't we stand and we'll pray together God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for, I mean, the scriptures are just full of all the things that you have done. You've done so much in the past. Even in our lives, we have stories of the things you've done. You've done so much. You've gotten us this far. We thank you for that. But God, if this word is true, then that means that you are doing things even now. And so God, give us the strength to hold to that promise that our God isn't stuck in yesterday. Our God isn't the God of the past, but he's a God of today and tomorrow. God, give us the strength. Give us the courage to see your work around us. God, for those of us who don't have the ability to see, will you give us eyes in our hearts, God? May we see by your spirit. May you strengthen the areas that are weak. God, for those of us who just need to know of the other testimonies, will you loosen our lips, God? 
May we be a people that speak, that sing of your goodness, that tell of your goodness. May it inspire one another. May others be filled with hope, hearing about a God that's still active, a God that's still working. God, we're not stuck in the past three years, God. We declare that new things are coming for this city. We declare that new things are coming for your people, and you're going to lead us forward that you will still be our God no matter what obstacles come. And life can be good because you are good and you are with us. So God, show us how to hold on to that. Show us how to hold on to you as we walk forward, as we shift our worship, as we shift our words, and as we place our trust in you daily. Will you be glorified in our lives? And may we see the new that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.